0: Miami Show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. That's iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back with City of Miami Commission candidate for District 2, Grace Solaris. Grace, thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you for inviting me. So, Grace, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and why you are qualified to be the city commissioner for Miami's District Number 2, the most populous and the most prominent district in the city, the east side, covering downtown Brickell, uh, Coconut Grove, and the Arts Center.
1: Okay. I've been a, uh, an activist in the city of Miami for about 20 years. I've been dealing with all kinds of issues and representing many neighborhood associations throughout the city, which means hundreds if not thousands of people. Uh, I've been representing from Shorecrest all the way down to Coconut Grove and everything in between. We have dealt with innumerable issues, whether with planning, zoning, whatever. We have actually met, and I've dealt with them. I've actually even uh, dealt with uh, bonds opposing certain the issues of certain bonds that we, the people, were going to be responsible for paying them for projects that we didn't think were quite appropriate. So, so what is
0: your professional career?
1: My professional career is a paralegal. I've been so for 48 years. Okay. I work in the legal field.
0: Okay, so so you've got a lot of experience in the nuts and bolts of city government.
1: Yes, How long I have do. you lived in the city of America? 55 years. And 48 in District 2. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> so you moved around a little bit, just a little bit. Where, what part of District 2 do you live in now?
1: Well, uh, in, the, in the same place that I've been living for the 48 years, two blocks from Vizcaya. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So you're very close to Brickell. And I'm very
1: close to Brickell, Kind of in Indeed. between the Grove and Brickell. Yes, yes, exactly. I live in what they call the North Grove.
0: So what inspired you to get into Miami politics in the first place?
1: 20 years ago, because I thought at the time the way that the government was treating us was not correct. We didn't have a voice, and we continue not to have a voice. The special interests have an enormous voice, but not the people. And that's exactly the reason why I'm running. Well,
0: explain to us how that works and why it's that way. What are these special interests, and how do they win special favor in the city of Miami government?
1: Well, I can tell you it's very simple, because I've been always on the other side of the podium being actually... Step all over by the big lobbyists and the big donors to the commissioners, uh, that is that when we go with an opposition or with an agreement to something that we would like to see done, but the other ones don't, somehow the weight of those lobbyists, the weight of the monies from those do- donors, absolutely do away with any type Of argument no matter how meritorious it may be before the City Commission it's just like we're not talking they let us they give us two minutes but are they really listening I tell you no they're not
0: really listening well how can one commissioner rein in the excesses of the current Commission if the rest of the commission is roughly the same, how can one new commissioner make a big difference?
1: i tell you why. And I have an enormous faith and this is gonna happen. They've known me forever. Commissioner Suarez, Commissioner Coroyo have known me way before they were commissioners. That they used to come to our neighborhood associations. Commissioner Gord, I've known forever. So even though they don't agree with us most of the time, I believe they have an enormous respect uh, for my position because they know that I come not just representing myself, I come representing the city of Miami, the residents of the city of Miami. And how do you ask me this is going to happen? I intend to create a committee called Smart Growth Committee composed of residents and business owners for the city. I intend that once a plan, a project, comes into the planning and zoning department, that district to be supplied simultaneously with a copy of what it is. I will take a look at it and I will know exactly where that project it's going to be and who's going to be impacted since I've been a, a, uh, an activist in the city of Miami for 20 years, and representing so many neighborhoods associations, I will know, for example, if it's on 28th, uh, 58th and Biscayne, I know that Morningside will be impacted, Bay Point, and possibly Magnolia Park Homeowners Association. I will contact them immediately, and I will say I will give that thing To the committee that I'm going to be creating, plus the representative of those three neighborhoods associations, let them look at it. So you
0: plan to empower the homeowners associations that exist already in the city of Miami.
1: That is very correct.
0: And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. The SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And we're back with Grace Solaris. Grace is a candidate for the City of Miami's Commission, District 2. The election is coming up this November 3rd. It's the first Tuesday of November. Grace, thank you very much for joining me on the program
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me here.
0: So... I want to talk with you about another candidate several years back who became the city of Miami District 2 commissioner and he was an activist and he was an activist fighting Home Depot but he turned out to be the commissioner that brought Home Depot to Coconut Grove and later turned out to be the commissioner who ensured that Walmart got a permit in Midtown. How can you, as a candidate, explain to our audience that your mission is to reform city government after elected?
1: Are you comparing me to that uh, uh, activist, so-called activist?
0: Tell me how you're back? different from the last activist that was elected to the seat, because he purported to be an activist.
1: Because, because I am an activist and he was a make-believe activist. This was just this, an individual who took one issue, Home Depot, to make a name for himself. And that's exactly the problem here. When you have an activist that has only worked on one issue, that is not an activist, sir. It isn't. It is something, it is someone who's being an opportunist to actually get something else. And that's exactly what happened with that.
0: Well, let's talk about campaign finance. How are you financing your campaign for District
1: 2? Oh, my roots, my grassroots people. I don't have a million dollars being given to me by uh, developers.
0: Are there any of your opponents who do?
1: Yes, uh, like, for example, Teresa Sarnoff. She has $1 million. Just this past month, she collected $100,000. So she had 900000 Now she has $1 million. That's a significant amount of money for a local election. There's an outrageous, outrageous amount of money, in my opinion. Well,
0: uh, what's normal? What are the other candidates collecting in the district? Because there are nine candidates that are filed for the district two seat.
1: Right. I have collected about $200,000.
0: That's a very significant amount as well. Very
1: significant amount, but I have the experience. My name has been out there for 20 years. They've been seeing me constantly. I've attended hundreds and hundreds of commissions meetings. They know what I'm all about. Well, how many different donors do you have? Many, many different donors. We have... Hundreds, thousands? I don't know about thousands, but hundreds, yes.
0: Okay, just curious, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the presidential elections about how, you know, the the ratio of donors to the size of dollars. In other words, how many donors are out there. So it's a big deal that, you know, candidates are reaching more people instead of just getting checks from one or two or three or four or five very large, large donors.
1: No, no. that I'm getting hundreds, I'm sure. Of, of from $25 to $10 to $50 to $1,000. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about your vision for the city of Miami and how you could affect that by being the District 2 Commissioner. What are some of the things that you would like to implement in the city outside of the sphere of governance?
1: Well, there are many things that need to be done. And outside of the sphere of government...
0: I mean, the the sphere of good governance, because that's a big problem in the city of Miami. Fair decisions, transparent government. But but outside of that, uh, city commissioners are tasked with, you know, having a vision for the city that they help implement. Well, my primary
1: vision is people's participation in the decision-making process of the government. That is my main vision. Not having, I understand, first of all, I recognize that you elect an individual to be your voice. But that individual cannot lose sight of the fact that he or she needs the input of that community that elected him or her in order to make real and true decisions that actually protect the quality of life of the people who live here in Miami. And that's really my main vision because we have suffered being totally ignored by the elected officials and actually impacting our quality of life. So that is my main vision. Let us all be one voice. Let us be that person that gets elected and is there for four years to truly implement the people's voice, not his or her voice, or his or her vision. Let us be a global vision of the people that he or she are representing. So I'd like to get your opinion
0: on an issue that has been brought up uh, to the commission and it's become an election issue um, mainly because of the endorsement of some of the candidates by the public service unions. Uh, Do you believe that crime in Miami is out of control or is it in control? Do you believe that the city of Miami needs more police officers, or does it need higher standards and better officers? Because I've heard from other candidates that they want to see more police on the streets in Miami, and I've heard from some candidates that we simply need higher quality for the
1: positions that we have. Well, you know, I need, we need both. Not as many as they're probably asking for, but we need a little bit more. But we definitely need higher quality of police officers on the streets. We have right now certain discrepancies between the police and the community. We need to bring them together.
0: Well, for example, uh, the city of Miami Beach just implemented a policy requiring all new officers to have college degrees. Is that something the city of Miami should pursue as well? I would love
1: that. I would love that for the city to pursue. Absolutely, I do. As a matter of fact, there was a write-up in a paper months ago that they, one of the police uh, people that were applying for the, for the position had gone to the training and had all kinds of problems. That person had been uh, going through psychological issues and things like that. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the kind of police officers we need to put on the streets. We have to be very, very careful as to who we allow to have a gun to his or her waist with that an enormous power of that badge, we need to be very careful what kind of people we put on the street with such enormous power.
0: Well, are you in favor of body cameras for police? Yes.
1: Yes, sir, I am. Body cameras for police, I want the cameras on the cars because a picture is worth a thousand words.
2: Absolutely. I mean, when you're
1: seeing things and there's a lawsuit for this or for that, you're seeing it. You're, exactly, you're happening. So it could have also a potential of diminishing the lawsuits for police brutality, for example, or because so, you're watching it, you're hearing it. I think, yes, I am all for the body cameras.
0: Well, we spoke earlier this year with Javier Ortiz. Um, he is the president of the local FOP. Uh, the Fraternal Order of Police. He's uh, the head of the union that represents most of Miami's police officers. And he was saying that Miami police officers are underpaid. Is moving to a college degree-based application system and raising pay something that go hand in hand? Or is there a reason to raise pay? Uh, What is your take on these issues? Because he spoke extensively about the difference in pay between Miami-Dade County and the city of Miami and said that Miami was getting a lesser quality of officers because Miami-Dade County pays more.
1: Okay, well, you know, I would not like to rely on uh, Mr. Ortiz's statements because I don't really know uh, truly what the pay is all about. So once I get there to the commission, I will actually review that, and if the police are indeed being underpaid, that's something that really has to be looked into. But right now, I wouldn't rely on his statements, if you pardon me for the statement. No, I
0: understand. I understand. Okay. I mean, this is, it's as close to verbatim as what he told me, but, you know, these are very sensitive issues that any commissioner or any elected official on the commission or the mayor eventually does deal with.
1: Yeah, but, but my answer to that would be total and absolute speculation on my part. Because I really don't know. I cannot rely on what he's saying, because I really don't know.
0: So, when it comes to public safety in Miami in general, are there any other issues that you believe that need to be addressed?
1: I think, like I told you before, I think the public safety, I, I think bringing the police officers, the police department, together with the community, it's very good. We're having issues. I'm sure you've read it in the paper. I mean, the community is not really trusting the police too much. We must avoid at all costs. I was here in 1980. I do not want to see that happening again. We need to bring the police and the community together. We have to work together in order for things to go smoothly.
0: So there's another job that the city of Miami's District 2 commissioner gets to, to do. And that is typically to chair some of the CRAs, the Community Redevelopment Agencies, that are located throughout the City of Miami, or participate on the boards of those agencies. Uh, just to name a few, there's a Midtown agency, which is not very active. There's an Omni agency, which is extremely active. Um, there's the Southeast Park West Overtown CRA, which is a very active uh, community agency. My question is, have these agencies outlived their usefulness? And if you serve on these agencies, how will you be able to ensure that they only direct their funds towards curing slum and blight as they are mandated to by their
1: founding documents? First, qu- the first answer to your question is whether or not they have used. They have outlived their usefulness. My opinion, yes, they have. They have become like a little piggy bank or slush funds for the politicians that actually handle it. How I'm going to handle that, that it doesn't, because I'm going to make certain that they go exactly to actually do away with slum and blight. I will not give money to the Volvo people to have a party here or to have a party there. It's slum and blight. That's what the money. And I find that we have violated that on many occasions. We've given monies not to do away with slum and blights. It's to pet projects of somebody that was not doing away with pet with uh, slum and blight.
0: So. How would one go about abolishing a CRA? How is it that we can pull the plug on these agencies? Because what happens is these were agencies established to make sure that certain areas and certain neighborhoods were able to get funding for projects within their borders. But now the borders have been expanded, and it seems like the money can go to pretty much anyone's hands, including uh, $88 million to Miami World Center, Uh, which was given out uh, near the Christmas holidays with a single hearing uh, where there was limited notice.
1: Which, by the way, I was there objecting to that and asking them to actually defer the item until there was some transparency and the people were, were able to actually find out what was going on. How do we pull the plug on these agencies? Well, by... when? Literally, I mean, how do we do it? Well, by not having the counties renew the life of those CRAs. That's all there is to it. I mean, when a CRA comes in, which I think one of them has come to, gone to the, uh, to the, to the county to say, "Gee, extended another thirty years," I would say, "No, this will die in the year two thousand and fifteen or two thousand and twenty, and that's all there is to it." Because in this period of time, ladies and gentlemen, you should have done away with the slum and blight that you were created for, and what you have done. Zero. Nothing. The Solomon blight remains the same. So why is it there? Go ahead. Dissolve it. You don't have an extension. And those funds come back to the general fund of the county or the cities. Period.
0: Yeah, I've I've noticed actually that some of the CRAs are paying for police now. Like they have police officers with CRA badges or magnets on the cars. I think
1: that was created by the Omni. By Commissioner Mm -hmm. Sarnoff. Uh, They pay, they get monies to pay uh, police officers uh, for their areas. Yeah, they get monies from those.
0: Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's
1: not something that permanently cures slum and blight, is it? No, it doesn't. It's just for the protection of the area. They're taking the monies, not going to slum and blight. That's why I'm saying to you that although it's a good thing because it brings more police officers into an area that may need it. We just have to take a look at it. It's not the objective for which the CRAs were created.
0: But for our audience, uh, what happens to the CRA money? I mean, how does that impact the city's budget? Because when there's a CRA, yeah. not everybody understands what a CRA is, yeah. but they've seen the signs. If you see those signs where there's Road improvements or if you see a police officer with a funny badge, explain how the CRA
1: works just. This briefly. is this is how it works. CRAs are created. Well CRAs were created by statute. Right. And then that statute is to say the can you can have a board with individuals from the community or the elected officials. Then when the county created the CRA, pursuant to one sixty three they said okay we're going to put, we're going to create the CRAs in here down here in Dade County but we're going to make the boards uh, being be the elected officials so even though i want would like to give it to the people to do it i can't because it is already set by the county that they would be the elected officials. Oh. Okay. okay. So I cannot do it. I, we would have to go to the county and say you're going to have to change the structure of how you created the CRA's in order to do away with the elected officials and then put the people. And then However, the money and then that the they money collect
0: is from property taxes, from right? From
1: property taxes, which means we're going to we're going to do now these two blocks. We're going to put these four blocks as being the CRA. Right now, we're getting one dollar in taxes from these four blocks. We will continue to get that one dollar, but whatever comes up in price on those property, it will go, which is called the TIF money. It's going to go to the CRA. So while I still get one dollar for the general fund, I'm not getting the benefit of whatever the property is going up and the the uh, taxes are incrementing. The general fund is not getting it. It's going directly to the CRA. And then the CRA is supposed to utilize that money in order to do away with slum and blight. And
0: they're supposed to do it inside
1: the borders inside of Inside the district. borders of the CRA.
0: Uh, welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. And we're here in studio with Grace Solaris. She is a candidate for City of Miami District 2 for the commission election that's going to be held this November 3rd, the first Tuesday of November. Grace, thank you for joining us in the studio. Thank you so much. So, Grace, I've got one last question for you. How can we in Miami improve transit for the city? Because we now have a city transit system. What can we do to improve that transit system?
1: Well, actually, Stern. We need to work with the county on this issue. Okay, how so? Okay, because the county is primarily the one responsible for the transit in in uh, Miami-Dade County. However, the city of Miami can actually do its part. Recently, Commissioner Suarez came up with an idea of creating a transit trust, right. which I, I showed up at the city commission, and I actually supported it in, in in concept I did uh, but I wanted to know where the money was going to come from and then a debate started between Commissioner Carollo and him and Gordon whatever it is and then I suggested that why don't we have a sunshine meeting so that they themselves can hear themselves and come up with the ideas they have before the matter comes up for a vote in the city commission and then the people are out here giving their their uh, their um.
0: And let me explain for our audience that in Florida, we have the Sunshine Law. Yes. Um, It is a constitutional amendment. It's also a statute. And it it runs our public meetings, our public, public documents. And what it means is that all public meetings must be in public. So these Sunshine meetings are not hearings of the board, but they are rather meetings that are arranged between multiple city officials who would otherwise be subject to this law, and citizens are invited. And they're a great idea to increase... The participation in local government, sunshine meetings. So, uh, you had the sunshine meeting.
1: No, we haven't had the sunshine you, you meeting. To have sunshine I suggested meeting. that they have it. All right. So that they can actually hear themselves and we can hear them and we can actually give our opinions sure. and our suggestions, have the people involved, which is my main point. Well, that However, was your big
0: point that you want to increase citizen participation in, in Miami politics and in the decisions.
1: Correct. The city of Miami. And, but with reference to uh, the transit, I think the trolley, we should have connectivity throughout the entire city. Okay, I I mean, the, I c- agree. the city of Miami, right now, the trolley, the one that goes south, stops at Mercy. The one that goes north, stops at Midtown. What about Shortcrest? What about MIMO? What about the Grove? We need to get the entire, the entire Miami District 2 at least, connected. I mean, let people go from the Grove to the Earth Center, to the MIMO, let them go down to the Grove. We need to get that movement. We need to educate the people to actually start using the oh, public transit.
0: people are using the trolley. It is always full. I, always full on I use game. it.
1: <laughs> I use it. Sure. Because I take it at my house. I live two blocks from Vizcaya, and I go directly to Mary Brickle Village. Well, it and the back. one thing
0: that I think is most ironic is that the city of Miami
1: trolley doesn't go to City Hall. That's right. That's what I'm saying to you. It stops at Mercy Hospital. I mean, it stops
0: it, within spitting distance of, of City Hall.
1: Why is that? And that, Well, I asked about a year and a half ago because I've been after that for about a year and a half. And when I spoke with, Commissioner, with Mayor uh, Regalado, he says, because the county... Tells us not to go down there because they have the circulator. And I said, But the circulator is exactly that. It's a, it's a circulator that goes around and around the Grove. It doesn't go anywhere. He says, Well, you're going to have to speak with uh, Commissioner Suarez at the county. And I did. And he said to me, Well, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to call, I'm going to have to speak to the transit people and find out about it. Well, that's, that, that's
0: one of the biggest problems in Miami transit, that there's a huge bureaucracy. Yes. Huge bureaucracy. How can we cut through the bureaucracy from the city level? Because I mean, the trolley is a huge accomplishment for the city of Miami. So, I mean, what do we have to do to cut through the bureaucracy at Well, the county, level uh,
1: well, the county bu- bureaucracy is very big. But I think this idea of the trust, uh, of the transit trust f- uh, for the city to actually do would be a very good idea because once you have money once you have a couple of dollars set aside, we'll give you the opportunity to be at the table okay. with the county. And then we can all start working together. We, of course, looking for our benefit here in our city, the county for everybody else. But at least we have some money that could say, well, I can give you $5 million. You know, it'll be, and whatever we're trying to do is 25 at least it'll be 5 million dollars less. I think that is a very good idea. When you have the money, we have some money aside, it'll give you some power, some ability to actually be at the table and discuss issues, come up with ideas just for the benefit of the people. I think it would be great. Well, Grace, thank you so much for coming on the program. You're very welcome. Uh,
0: I would like to give you a couple of minutes to speak directly to the audience to tell them your message, why you should be the next commissioner for Miami's District 2.
1: Thank you so much. I've been fighting for the people of Miami for 20 years, on my own dollar, on my own time. Nobody, nobody has ever given me anything, but I've been the voice and I've been a voice and a person who has brought people, many people together. Why Miami Navy United has been so successful is because under my guidance and others, we've actually been able to bring consensus bring people together on issues that we have brought to the forefront of the politicians, but most of the times we have not been able to do it. This time we are going to do it because it's going to be me there, that one who has been fighting for so long, for so long to have her voices heard. Well, now it's going to be the people speaking on the dais at City Commission you very much thank you for coming grace
0: oh welcome back this is the only in miami show and i'm your host grant stern you can find me on twitter at grant stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co itunes podcast soundcloud and a whole lot more check it out at onlyinmiami.co and we're back live with ken russell ken is also a commissioner candidate for district two in the city of miami ken thank you so much for joining us live in the studio tonight
3: Thank you, Grant. Congratulations on 100 shows.
0: 100 shows, man. It's tough to do 100 unique consecutive shows. It takes a lot of uh, discipline and tenacity and uh, a lot of great guests like you. So thanks for coming in tonight.
3: Thank you very much, and thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so let's get down to chops here. We've got about 20 minutes. I'm going to let the phone lines open in a few But let's talk about your candidacy for the second district seat in the city of Miami. What inspired you to run briefly? So tell our audience.
3: Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's no secret that I did not have a political past in this town. I'm a complete outsider to this situation. I'm a business owner. I'm a local family guy. I was born here. Uh, What really got me into city politics was... Seeing how the city handled a small issue, which should have been a minor thing—in my case, it was a contaminated park—and having to deal with my commissioner on that issue uh, and bringing it to successful resolution but not liking the way I saw it done, that's what started me off.
0: So you said the word outsider. We hear that a lot in politics. Why is that a good thing in this case?
3: Well, I think Miami is famous for having an insider's machine and everything that goes with that. Uh, The reputation is— with reason. And so someone from outside of that system has a good chance to make a difference, because they're not as indebted or embedded in that system as it is. Uh, If they have the good leadership and ethical skills and know how to get something done, they can make a difference.
0: So I asked this question to Grace on our podcast earlier. Um, How does an activist, once they're in office, resist becoming part of that machine? Because the current commissioner the current commissioner was an activist he had a problem with the way the city was handling home depot and that was his his first real political activity in the city of miami and he got elected and it's been nine years now but nobody would say that he stayed as an activist how do you propose to stay apart from that system that's corrupted our current city commissioner in district two
3: right well I don't really consider myself an activist. Uh, I'm a problem solver. And the way I've always run my business, and and, uh, even when I do organize things for charitable efforts and stuff, it's all about how to get to an end result in a positive way. And so when this situation came up, I could have done the traditional activism. I could have gotten out the torches and the pitchforks and really demonized some, some folks.
0: Well, wait a second. As an activist, I will tell you that torches and pitchforks are simply the last resort. They have their place. Absolutely. Um, They're the last resort. They're not the first one. Um, You know, as somebody who's fought in this city for four years, I haven't really demonized people like Mark Sarnoff, who deserve to be demonized for their acts of impudence and ignoring the wishes of the city. But, um, you know, I'm taking the opportunity to change that a little bit tonight. Uh Uh-huh. Um, solely
3: because there's an election here next yeah, week. I hear you. Well, but, I in, in my situation in that case, I recognized that he was the one at fault for our problem, and I knew that he had the opportunity, the ability, to fix what we needed. So I needed to bring him on side, then hold his feet to the fire with the promises we got from him. And we were successful with that. Uh, you so know, how did you do that? Well, you speak softly, but you carry the big stick. I, you know, I never filed a lawsuit and I knew I wouldn't have to, but that didn't mean we didn't hire lawyers and we didn't find out our rights and we didn't, I mean, for me, I didn't have an organization behind me. I just gathered 150 of the neighbors around my neighborhood where we were affected by this specific park. What we were able to change affected all of the contaminated parks in the city, but we were really, in that, in that moment, we were just focused on what was in front of us.
0: And, and let us make clear that Mark Sarnoff was not responsible for contaminating all of the parks. Although he is responsible for other forms of contamination in our city government,
3: right? No, he says I accused him of of actually contaminating the park himself personally, and I've never done that. No. Believe me, if a developer gave him five hundred dollars, he would consider it. <laughs>
0: for a thousand, he'd be out there like in the middle of the night doing it. Himself. No, in this but... case, this
3: was contamination that the city had done decades ago. Right. What what it was is that once they knew that it was there, what were they going to do about it, and how were they were going to how they were going to fund it and uh, what they were going to do with the container. And how
0: completely are they going to clean it up? Or are they just going to try and sweep it under the rug?
3: Right. And Literally
0: under a rug.
3: Right. And so in our case, we, we knew their plan was going to affect our home values and potentially be a health risk. And so we knew we needed to take action in a way that would get the result we needed. But in my style is to get everybody to the table. I had Mark at my house. I had Alice Bravo at my house talking about what is their plan? Why is it wrong? Yeah, but
0: but once you become a commissioner, you're part of the system now. Yep. So you can't get everybody involved. It's not that easy, mm-hmm. unfortunately. That's what these public hearings are for. So how can you make a difference in our community so that people don't have to sue the city all the time? Because right now the city of Miami has a very simple policy. Um, we're going to do whatever we want, regardless of what our law says. Sue us. Of course. No. That's, that's city policy. Sure. You, uh, let's let's be frank here. That's yeah. what they're doing. How do we change that culture?
3: Right. Well, when you have the strength of the city of Miami, you can be the bully if you want to be the bully, or you can use that that strength for good. And that means you're going to be a good neighbor to your surrounding cities. You're going to be a good uh, steward of your own community, and you're going to listen to your your community if you have— advisory boards, uh, you're going to listen to them. If you have people who want to be heard, you're going to listen to them. And more importantly, you're going to let them see everything that you're doing, for right and for wrong.
0: Okay, I'm going to open up the phone lines. If anybody's out there listening, this is your chance to speak with one of the top City of Miami Commission District 2 candidates, at least the best one we've got in studio right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're not running, Grant? No, no, not this time around. I'm a little too busy for that. But you're going to get the chance to call in and ask either of us a question, 305-541-2350. That's 305-541-2350. Call in 305-541-2350. If you've got a question for Ken Russell, he's running for City of Miami District 2 Commissioner, please give us a call. And we're going to have Javier Gonzalez on at 805, so keep that number out, 305-541-2350. So you mentioned... City boards, and there's quite a few of them. There's the the Planning uh, Zoning Appeals Board. There's the Urban Design Review Board. There's the Code Enforcement Board. Any others I'm missing there? <laughs> yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. So you're saying that we need to give them teeth. Tell our audience a little bit about what that means and why that's important.
3: Well, y- you bring people together who are stakeholders in the community, and that's one of the things I see as, as uh, a problem with District 2. It's become so lacking in checks and balances that it doesn't need to listen to anybody and it's got the leverage to make moves without listening to others but even in coconut grove for example the 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 coconut grove village council is working on amazing projects right now with the 2030 um they used to be in city hall they used to meet in city hall where their their meetings could be seen by everybody and this gave them more uh more strength in their opinions as well now they meet in the auditorium of the local elementary school where my son went uh, coconut grove elementary and you can feel the difference in the gravitas of the, of the group because of that. They've been marginalized. And I believe a group like that that's really got a voice, especially in an area like the Grove, needs to be listened to.
0: Well, let's talk about City Hall. Uh, the current commissioner, Mark Sarnoff, proposed a project. Uh, it's called the Grove Bay Project that sweeps away Scotty's Landing and everything that's been on the waterfront for quite a long time. And it includes moving City Hall eventually. What are your thoughts on these kind of mega-projects that are sponsored by commissioners and local government?
3: Right. Well, especially when it comes to the waterfront, that's where the public needs to be very aware, involved, and with their eyes open.
0: Well, you know, there was a referendum, and two-thirds of Coconut Grove voters voted against the referendum, but two-thirds of voters outside of Coconut Grove voted for it. Sure. So now we have a project that, giving the voice to the community has taken the people who live nearest to it and disappointed them.
3: Yep. And that's that's a you know, that's been a big thorn in the side for the Grove in general as they don't they aren't able to make the decision solely for their community. And of course that's the whole secession argument and, and, and so many things that we could get into, which is a longer show. Uh, but as far as, you know, that project goes, it's at this point water under the bridge that it's happening. It's the job of the next commissioner, well, considering any other further appeals and such. Uh,
0: uh, you know, I, I can't track every project. I hear that it's going to happen.
3: It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There there was a, a movement to save Scotties just a month and a half ago, and and really that's not that's not where we are. Well, that's not be, the big issue. It's there. a shame, and it would be nice. No, of course. I
0: mean, th- that is an issue for people that love Scotties. I love Scotties. I th- anybody who's been there I think loves the place. But where does City Hall move to from there?
3: Well, City Hall from here moves to hold the developer... Uh,
0: no, I mean literally, they're going to move City Hall as part of this project. They're going to turn it into a museum. Well, that's
3: that's long term. Yeah, yeah, that's right. that's uh, Pan Am and such as. Is, is,
0: where where does City Hall in Miami
3: belong? I I believe even Maurice Ferré, when he was in office, was talking about moving City Hall, and the Pan Am folks were talking to him. So I don't know that City Hall's moving anytime soon.
0: Really. I mean, if it moves, where does it belong?
3: I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah.
0: I mean, you you think it's okay in the, the
3: grove where it is um i do at the uh, i don't think there's a, a need for it to move at the moment i don't know that there's a a geographical problem with with where it is now.
0: i mean the city of miami has a trolley system and the trolley doesn't even go to coconut grove the, the city hall in coconut grove
3: <laughs> that's true and that speaks to the problem of the transportation situation more i mean it's not that the. The City Hall is is way out in, in, in...
0: Well, it is way out. I can tell you right now, it takes 25 minutes for me to get from my home uh, on Biscayne Boulevard over to City Hall in virtually any traffic. I mean, it takes 25 minutes to get to Kendall, too. It's really... Off the beaten path, and
3: geographically, yes, but you you've got to realize that the Grove is sixty percent of the vote of this district, at least to start with, and it is a very relevant place with a lot of opinions. But that's and a district, not true. the city, true, the whole true. city. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right.
0: Um, so let's talk about transit. The city of Miami has its own transit system. Do mm-hmm. you have any plans that would help the city's
3: transit system? Absolutely. Um, we need to really expand the trolley system. We need to expand our 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 transit that, you know, I mean, where the city can work with the county, you mm-hmm. know, and obviously that what the city's got control over is is limited, but it's got influence on the county, and I would never say as a city commissioner, well, I can't deal with that. That's not my department. Uh, well, I
2: mean,
0: the city for the first time in many years has its own transit system. Mm-hmm. How How can we augment
3: that? Well, I definitely... Like Francis Suarez's plan to bring more funding into the system to really help us have a voice and come to the table when necessary on the larger projects.
0: I saw his advertisements. They say thank you. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, the, he's running unopposed in his yeah. district. <laughs> uh, just for our audience who's listening out there. Right, right. So, uh, so you like his plan? What are the points of his plan that you'd like to implement?
3: Well, to see that that funding really goes to infrastructure. Uh, of the transit system because that's what we need we really need more of the bones of the system to expand we need this system to really reach further into where it needs to go otherwise people don't use it right now the only ones who use our transit system are the ones who need to and not the ones who would want to by choice I Uh, want to by choice I use it good good but you're (laughs) the you're the minority compared to those who would get in a car uh, out of convenience out of uh, you know let me tell you cars aren't convenient not in this town (laughs) no that's true
0: no, I mean, everybody who's listening right now is stuck in a, like, massive nightmare traffic jam, I promise. Right. right. <laughs> well, half of them, at least. Um, I mean, uh, let's talk about another car-related issue, mm-hmm. which is uh, the Miami Parking Authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, City Hall wanted to privatize the Parking Authority and sell it off to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Wall Street. Do mm-hmm. you think that's the way that our city's revenue-generating arms should be operated?
3: No, at least it's quasi-governmental. At least there's some controls in there, but, I mean, the— Well, it's a semi-autonomous agency whose revenues get uh, handed to the city— coffers yes but i mean the oak avenue parking garage sale that we're 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 working with right now now this this is one yeah tell me about this i've heard about the oak avenue parking
0: garage sale this is in coconut grove uh, sure in the back of the central district
3: it's a very it's a it's a it's a large parking garage that is on the edge it's not right in the dead center but it's right where things are moving to as the grove is growing uh, a lot of the restaurants have now been moving down to this area near oak avenue and this garage is about to become a crucial element of our of our parking system. It's also very important for parking during events, which the Grove survives on. And the city just made a quick deal to sell it off. And there's a lot of uh, oh to whom? Well, this is uh, I, I believe the the Terra Group, the David Martin and the Terra Group, which is owner of the large buildings that are right in front of City Hall. And it just seems there there's a lot of favoritism being given in this situation to developers. Oh, how surprising. People are favoriting developers in
0: the city of Miami?
3: Well, you know, the whole I mean, story over, has not come you know. come clearly yet, but it seems that there this is somewhat of a no-bid deal that went out. Even though they say there was bids, they say the other bids were actually higher. Uh, this, okay. is, this was a very quick thing that was an unsolicited offer to buy this parking garage. Now, here as a business person, You'd think I'd be saying, listen, this is a good business deal for the city, or what?" they say the garage was underperforming, it wasn't profitable enough. Local government services like parking are not meant to be profitable. They're meant to be the service for the public and what, they, what they're there for. And this particular garage serves a need. And it's, I mean, my campaign office is right next door, and we use that garage. And when they shut it down last month— Everyone on my team had to find street parking or go park elsewhere for four times as much.
0: Yes, but the commissioner needs to get his wife elected. Shouldn't we be <laughs> selling off our city
3: buildings for that? Isn't that worthy? Absolutely not. This is, this is something where, you know, the Grove sees this stuff and everyone around is up in arms, but is it going to stop it? And that's where, you know, what stops it is having the right people in office, having the people where you can sleep at night without having to, you know, watch like a hawk every day. Well,
0: Ken, we've got one minute and I do mean one minute, actually 30 seconds, for you to tell our audience a little bit about your vision and why they should vote for you and where they can find you online before we go out for the hour. So
3: go ahead. Sure. Well, I'm at kenrussell.miami. I uh, okay. got one of the new uh, URLs there. Congratulations. We're at onlyin.miami. Very good. And, uh, you know, I'm from here. I'm I'm really trying to look at Miami as a... As as an exciting time that can, that can move forward right now. And I'm very excited about being involved in what Miami can be. Now, where we're going, according to our current commission, is about prioritizing large-scale development over quality of life issues, over ethics, uh, over transparency. And for me, they're going to be at the table, but we need someone who's going to prioritize our needs to go even more important. And that's what I want to do.
0: Well, Ken, thank you very much for joining us on the program tonight. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Greg. And we'll be right back. This is the Only In Miami show. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, Podcasts, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're live in studio with Miami City Commission uh, candidate for District 2, Lori Woods. Lori, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight and being in studio.
2: Well, thank you, Grant. It's great to be here. and appreciate it.
0: So, Lori, explain to our audience... A little bit about your history in miami and what made you decide to run for city commission
2: sure thank you i have a very short history in miami i have been here for just over five years came here as a chance to change my life the children grew up got out of the house went to college Husband and I decided, let's do something that we really um, enjoy and are good at. So we purchased a restaurant and decided to kind of make a go of it in downtown Miami. So
0: tell our audience about that establishment.
2: Well, what we have is uh, Elwood's Pub. So my husband is English, so it's an English pub. Great fish and chips, lots of beer and uh, wine and uh, good food. We live across the street and are pretty much entrenched in the community and Serve food and opinions. Well,
0: that's an important thing in Miami, that it's become a live and work city, whereas it used to be a commuter city. People would drive in from the suburbs and then drive out at 5 o'clock, and the streets were quiet. What's downtown like right now?
2: Downtown still has somewhat quiet streets, but overall the community is really uh, thriving and resonating. We, When we got here about five and, five years ago, about 20 to 30% occupancy in the high-rises, and now we're looking at about 90%. So you have a really eclectic community of young professionals, some older, retired people, uh, families getting started, and some kind of mid-income. It's really a melting pot of not just the United States, but globally. We get people from all over the world, and so there are tourists coming in, but it's uh, it's really a vibrant community. It's a lot of people that um, come from diverse backgrounds and have a lot to offer.
0: So... Why should residents in the city of Miami vote for you out of the nine candidates to choose from? It's a buffet. Sure. Why should they go to your restaurant for the buffet?
2: I find that uh, for the last nine years, even though I've only been here five, Mm -hmm. the city of Miami has been run from Coconut Grove. Right, And it's interesting when you speak with people and you ask them, where do you think uh, City Hall is? And they assume it's at the government center. And that's kind of funny. Yeah. And you explain, no, 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 that's county. Uh, similar to the streets. You know, some of the streets are county streets. Some are city streets. Some are uh, actually... Um, Federal highways so, uh, yeah, exactly, and Exactly, Yeah. Sure. So there's a lot of confusion there. And a lot of things that you think are one way actually are not. As a uh, small business owner, as well as a resident downtown, and then I'm on the uh, Downtown Miami Partnership Board, I've spent the last five years really getting involved with my community on trying to make things better. When the transition that I had expected did not happen the way that I thought it should and would, I I got involved and tried to make a, a change. Having it run from Coconut Grove doesn't make sense. The heart of our city is the urban core.
1: downtown
2: is the heart. If you listen to a lot of the other candidates or you listen to any of the press, they talk about Brickell. Oh, well, what Brickell says, no one really realizes how many people live in downtown. And you can tell that when you walk around the streets. We're a donut.
0: Yeah. And and I agree. In fact, the the city of Miami just divided up the the district to commission seat and took everything north of Martin Luther King Boulevard, which is 62nd Street, and gave that to District 5. But during the prior uh, district commission race, there was only one candidate who did not live in Coconut Grove. And, And that's an important distinction, because many, many, many district commissioners have come from Coconut Grove, but they're responsible for an area that, as I said, it goes all the way up to Northeast 62nd Street and Biscayne Boulevard, and all the way south to Douglas Road. So that brings up the next issue which is that that seat is particularly on the forefront of climate change problems. Sure. Because the District 2 in Miami has all of the water frontage from, you know, the southern tip of the city all the way up to 62nd Street. What's your position on climate change? And did you attend the People's Climate March in downtown Miami last Wednesday?
2: First, um, yes, I did attend that. That was a wonderful. It was uh, very moving to me and inspiring. It's wonderful to see something like that. I grew up in Colorado, went to uh, Boulder for a while. So there's a lot of stuff where people create movement and make change, and I think that that is one thing that resonates with all of us and is important for our community. So, so,
0: so as commissioner, how could you help the city – in our existential fight against climate change
2: one of the first things we need to do is actually realize that we are way behind the rest of the nation uh being a five-year Miamian, rather than living here my whole life i had the uh, the opportunity to live in san francisco los angeles portland oregon as i mentioned i grew up in colorado climate uh rising sea levels, all of those issues are much more at the forefront of uh, local government. We need to truly um, think globally but act locally. Uh, the, The lead silver program that we've put in place for construction is minimal at best. We have to really reach higher. We want to look at living building challenge. We want to not think what what is it compared to what we've done so far. We want to look at ourselves globally. We need to be leaders. We are a community of incredible people. We have so much more to offer than what our city is showing right now. And when it comes to climate change and what we can do as a community to try and negate that, that is actually, it brings prosperity. It's funny, we think it's going to cost more to change things or it's more of a hassle, but it actually is at the benefit for all of us. Overall, it's financially better and it makes much more sense. There's also a living community challenge where we look at some of these vacant lots. They don't just sit unused. We turn them into community gardens. We need things like that. The climate actually is is. It's our backyard, it's what we are, and the fact that we ignore it is so wrong.
0: So is there a signature issue that you've adopted in your candidacy for Miami's District Two? And we are speaking with Lori Woods. She's one of the Mm -hmm. nine wonderful candidates. We're blessed to have nine candidates. And who would have thought that there was going to be more presidential candidates than candidates for District 9, right?
2: <laughs> We're getting there. Uh, so
0: what, what was your signature issue, Lori? What, what drove you to run? Is there a I'm running issue?
2: because of my community, to be straight up, uh, Grant. It, it's the people that have kept me in business that matter. When you have a pub, someone comes in, they have a beer or a glass of water for that matter, but when you create a comfortable environment for local people that some of them haven't lived in Miami but for a year or two years, some have been here forever, people talk. They don't know why something's happening. I really felt that's, like...
0: That's an important point, hmm? that, that the city of Miami as a community is under-informed, and unfortunately <laughs> a lot of people don't even realize that there are these elections because they are held in off years instead of during general elections and you know the even-numbered years. Sure. So, so how can your candidacy, if elected, change this? How can you inform the public of what's going on before the votes happen rather than after the votes happen?
2: That is one of the biggest challenges, but one of the most exciting. We have people from 18 years of age that communicate differently than somebody that is in their 80s. So you have to respect that and you have to look at it as how do we as a city put transparency out on the table but not just showing what's happening but engaging. I think we can look at the web page immediately and we can turn that into a much more user-friendly piece. We can tag people and Oh, you
0: mean using some technology like sure. WordPress? <laughs> I mean, maybe they need to send a expedition <laughs> at the city to discover WordPress.
2: Well, I think that when we when we look at how are we going to uh, to grow our economy and how are we going to become a technology center within our United States at, at, at minimum, but probably globally, it would be really great if our city government looks that we're at the forefront of that. And I think there's so much engagement there. I think that people should be able to call in their opinions. And they should actually get an alert, whether it be a text message, an email, and for some cases, snail mail. It doesn't really matter, but we need to reach out to all of our citizens, bring them all to the table, so that when we have decisions, I mean, we have different issues throughout our entire city, because even though this is District 2, it really backs up against quite a few other districts, and all of Miami matters. It's not just the district. Funny how that works. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's good neighborhood to, to get along with everyone. Well, I've
0: always... Said that Miami's city commission is set up to have five mini mayors. It's it's really an unusual system because in Miami we have a weak mayor system, which does not mean that the mayor is personally strong or weak. Our our mayor certainly visits the studio frequently, and I can attest that he is strong enough to walk around and do whatever he needs to do and very talkative indeed. Uh, But it refers to the manner of government, which means that the commissioners hold a lot of power and a lot of authority over what happens in the city, more so than the mayor, because the mayor's main authority in the city is to appoint the city manager. So are you happy with the current mayor and city manager combination? Or is this something that you feel needs to evolve or change or be different uh, at City Hall? Because there's been multiple city managers over the last few years, but uh, Daniel Martinez, he's... Uh, right its it,
2: I think it's Danny Alfonso.
0: No, da- Daniel Alfonso, I'm okay. sorry. Daniel no Alfonso. Worries. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Daniel Alfonso has been in the position for a couple of years and Mayor Regalado has two years left on his term which means that somebody will be replacing him in a couple of years are you happy with the current performance of the city of of Miami administration or do you think that it needs to improve in areas other than what we just mentioned um, you know interacting with the community online giving more advanced notice of decisions before they happen Is, is there some other area that can be improved in the city
2: I I would say there's multiple areas that are ready for improvement, and I think that it's necessary that we become much more progressive. I do think that the mayor is very well-liked and does a very good job. I just think that we are a very archaic system, and we are still acting as if it is late- late sixties we need to really embrace technology from a city planning standpoint just how long it takes to do permitting etc if we had that online and it was tech it was done similar to miami beach where an architect presents the plans it's done electronically multiple groups can approve, and process. We can shorten that window. We can then realize the tax benefits and bring it back in. There's a lot of things that we can do just by getting on the ball. It's not that we need to change any one individual. We need to give them the correct tools to make it progressive.
0: I I might disagree about certain individuals in our city government, and I have openly disagreed with some of them, in particular the head of the planning department in the city of Miami. But As we have all seen, Walmart was able to obtain a permit extremely expeditiously without going through the normal review process. How do we head that off? How do you as commissioner fight corruption at City Hall? Because it is there and it is a big problem in this city.
2: Well, I will say, number one, you vote for somebody that hasn't taken money from special interests. I think that one of the things in this election, you have nine people. The reason you have nine people is that you have people with passion that care, that have chosen not to do things the same old, same old way. So an individual voter that really cares can make a choice that's a little bit different than the norm. And when you do that, your voice is heard.
0: It well, how are you financing your campaign, and who are your contributors?
2: My contributors comp- are friends and family, and then small $10, dollars contributions from local residents. I don't want a lot of money. I think there's a few other candidates that agree with me on that. It doesn't make sense to me to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads that go into people's mailboxes as a way to reach people. No,
0: wait a second. You said hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. We're talking about a local election sure. where the total voting pool is 80,000 people. Tell our audience which candidate has hundreds of thousands of dollars, and do you agree with their philosophy that developers should finance commission candidates?
2: Uh, I believe that there are a couple Uh, candidates that have that that top money there's three yeah you'll see it in the media i mean they name three people i don't care to bash any one candidate particularly in in any way I think that you must... However,
0: do you you think that it's appropriate for developers to finance city commission candidates?
2: I think special... Isn't it a
0: conflict of interest?
2: Yes, I think it's definitely a conflict of interest. I think lobbyists don't belong there either. I think that it's not in our best interest as the public to have big money telling us what to do. The fact that you have to go out and rally to get anything done, just like the, uh, the climate meeting on Wednesday, these things are very concerning to me because if we had a government that... the people elected just based on who the correct candidate was in a fair setting similar to what Seattle's doing you have you have a different realm and then it's public service and I think that we're really lacking that this job doesn't pay that much it's a part-time job and personally I didn't even know it paid at all I was just so fed up and thought you know what someone's got to stick their hand up I'm old enough to do this and get yelled at it's important to really give back to your community if you're at a place where you can. And that's the reason I'm sitting here.
0: And we've got enough time for two more questions here. I wanted to ask you, as a commissioner, if elected, how could you improve Miami's transit system, namely the trolley, the Miami trolley? Would you do something to change it?
2: I think the Miami trolley is uh, one of the positives that's come out of it, and the city actually is doing a really good job. I would expand that. I believe that getting it into the Grove is beneficial to the community. Anything that we can offer that is fun, enjoyable, and actually reliable is great. We've got to look, though, not just at the city level. We have to find a way to work with the county. We have to come up with ideas. I know that there was a trip to Denver, which is funny because I grew up there and always thought it was backwards while I was there. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's what Time it is. Then, it's huh? <laughs> sure. But there are so many ways that we can improve things, but we also have to take a look at it. And driving a car individually into a downtown, that doesn't always make the most sense. So there are a multitude of ways that we can improve the transportation. And I think some of the new buildings that are happening in downtown that do not have parking and that people are using the shared cars. They're using some of the other services besides taxis, the Uber and the Lyft, which uh, hopefully our county mayor will yeah, go ahead and be a little bit progressive and get that one taken care of. He wants to. Everything that
0: I've heard from him is very pro-Uber. And, you know, since you mentioned uh, Cardigo, I'm going to uh-huh. ask you a different question, okay. and we have to keep the answer fairly short. But Cardigo recently cut most of its Latin, uh, Latino, and Spanish speaking areas, including this very station. They cut these areas from their car area so that people who are using the car service may not venture into these areas and leave the car as you normally would. And they added Miami Beach, which is very affluent. Uh, mostly ethnically Caucasian area. What is your opinion of what I am terming transportation redlining? you got one minute.
2: I would be extremely concerned. Um, we as a people have to look at how do we make an area better rather than exclude people. And I think that the real question is do we support a business that does something like that? We, we as people know what right and wrong are. And in that setting, speaking with you, I would look into it a little bit deeper and then potentially not use them if that was the reasoning for that.
0: Well, their business reasoning is solid. They make more money doing it. But public transportation is is a community utility. It's a little bit different than just saying, well, you know, we don't want to sell a hamburger there. When people give up their car, they expect a certain service
2: level. Sure. Sure.
0: So we've got a couple of minutes left, and I'd like to give you a couple of minutes to speak directly to our audience and tell them your vision and why they should vote for you for City of Miami District 2 Commissioner.
2: Thank you. Um, My vision for the City of Miami is an inclusionary Miami. I would like to see all of the people of Miami have an opportunity for prosperity. I think that we as a people are smart enough and right at the right time and the right place to make a better Miami. It's time to become a world-class city. I think that... When we look at what can somebody else do for us, that's not the right way to go about it. And the reason that I'm running is to make sure that there are plenty of seats at the table so that everybody's opinion matters. And for people that need a hand up, I think it's time to give them a hand up. It's so much much more beneficial for all of us if everyone has a space. In This city, this is a great place, but we need to really collaborate and work together, and that's really the reason that I'm running. Somebody needs to protect people from some of the bullying and some of the special interests, and I think it's time for change.
0: Well, Lori, thank you so much for coming on the program. We, we've been speaking with Lori Wood. She's a com- commission candidate for District 2 in the city of Miami. And Lori, tell our audience where they can find you online and your campaign.
2: Thank you. It's at uh, lauriewoods.com. You can also find me in my pub pretty much any time. All
0: right. And spell Lori Woods for our audience. They're out there in <laughs> Radio Land, and there's a couple ways to spell Lori.
2: Sure. It's L-O-R-R-Y Woods, W-O-O-D-S.
0: Dot com. And on Twitter, you're also on Twitter, right?
2: Yes. It's Lori Woods Miami At, at. Lori sure. Woods
0: Miami on Twitter. And lauriewoods.com, L-O-R-R-Y Woods.com. Or go by the pub. It's... Elwoods. And it's located at?
2: 188 Northeast 3rd Avenue in the heart of downtown Miami.
0: And I'm very glad you could make it with us, and I wish you the best of luck in this season. All right? Thank and you, Grant. For all of our audience out there, there is an election coming up. It is the se- the first Tuesday of November. It's November 3rd. There's early voting the weekend before. Get out there and vote. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. There's a lot about these elections, and we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami Show. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're live in studio with another District 2 commission candidate. His name is Javier Gonzalez, and Dude, we really appreciate you coming on into the show, being so dressed up and formal with us. As always. (laughs) As
4: always.
0: (laughs) So, Javier, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to run for District 2 Commission Candidate in the city of
4: Miami. Okay. Um, Well, I'm originally uh, from Cuba, and I came over here in 1965. And I grew up public. I grew up uh, going to public schools, taking public transportation, and playing in public parks. So um, it's something that I've always uh, felt that as I grew through my career and became successful in my endeavors, I always felt that I wanted to give back to my community and I always wanted to be a part of, um, you know, of of a government solution for our our district and for our city. So I always wanted to really just give back. I wanted to give back to my, you know, to the community, to to the folks that made me who I am. So
0: you've been giving back for a while. This is not your first Mm -hmm. day on the job, so to speak. Absolutely. Although you had to resign the position Mm -hmm. to run. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about your experience with the Coconut Grove Village Council.
4: Okay. Um, I originally ran for the Village Council back in '09, and uh, I wasn't successful. I came back in '13, and I uh, was successful, and I um, became the Village Council Chair. I'm still part of the um, the actual council. I'm just not the uh, the chairperson anymore. So we've been our biggest goal, or at least my big goal, when I came back to the uh, to the council was to really just outreach, get more people involved. The previous councils I'd been kind of like uh, disillusioned. And I think as uh, we came in in 13, we really just wanted to bring community together and, and outreach and try to talk to, you know, different sections of the, uh, you know, the county, the city, and just kind of get everybody more involved. So why, why was the the council feeling
0: disillusioned at this point? Oh, was it something to do with the city leadership yeah. that's yeah. in city hall today? Yeah,
4: I think, I think what happens is that the village council has always been uh, kind of a stepping stone in essence for uh, for commission seat and I think some fo- some folks felt maybe threatened and um, the previous year back in 09 two of the actual uh, members had run for um, commissioner
0: w- which members uh, it
4: was Kate Callahan and Michelle Niedemeyer okay so they had they had run and they were still part of the council through it uh, when uh, I was elected in 13. The whole council, only Kate Callahan came back as a part of the council. The rest of the council, basically, every member just stepped down.
0: Right. Well, it's it's difficult. You know, it it takes time.
4: Yeah. It so what are some of? The, effort.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the things you were involved in with the Coconut grove? Well,
4: the, the first, the first thing we did, or at least I did, is I wanted to really just go to outreach. So first thing is we started to deal with every issue that was on uh, online. So the first one was the contamination of parks. Um, in November, I brought the uh, state uh, medical folks that were going to have a meeting at the um, in, in West Grove, and we brought them in to give them a chance to explain to us what was going on. Then the other big topic that came in uh, January of 14 was the uh, coconut Grove playhouse. So we got it back from the state. And so we were, we, we basically set up a meeting for, uh, for folks in the, in the, in the in the, in the community to be able to meet with the County, you know, with Mike spring and just kind to speak to him and, and, and get some uh, answers for questions. So every step of the way, what we always tried to do is just bring in people that were relevant to, uh, to the community when we started talking about uh, parking we brought in art no diego from uh, the mpa so any any topic that was active right now we're doing the oak park uh excuse me the oak street garage we're having a meeting this thursday so we're sponsoring it through grove 2030 very cool yeah yeah no that's that's a lot
0: yeah. that's that's it a heavy do. work especially yeah. i mean so how did you take the the how did you take the playhouse back from the state? Did you get it back from the county as well? Well, yeah.
4: What happens is that the, the, the way that it worked is it, it, the county had to come up with a plan for the state to be able to, to give it back to us. And okay. that was a whole big thing uh, a couple of years ago with the give it back. So the state had to say, excuse me, the county had to say that it had an educational component. It had a, a proven operator. And then it had the ability to get rid of all the uh, encumbrances on the property which it did the county actually worked very diligently uh mike spring with uh with the uh, cultural affairs actually got all of these things done and we were able to put it together currently right now um the the notice to bids went out uh over the summer and Architectonica is actually working on the design and the plans and they're doing all of the uh, background work on it now to see where it goes to that's awesome yeah, man. it is I mean, it's cool
0: it's uh it's been a long ride for the that building yes
4: it has and That's it's still a ways away. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is a ways away. I mean, they out. they built it with seawater. Yeah, you know the concrete they mixed the concrete with yeah. seawater yeah. as people used to do in Miami yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Not a very good idea. No, no, no. Think no. about what salt does. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, you know we're we're paying for
4: it yeah. now. <laughs> as as a guy who knows a little bit about construction, yeah, it's, uh it's uh it's it's gone through some uh, some abuse.
0: Well, tell our audience, tell our audience a little bit about your your real estate career.
4: Um, okay. Well, I, I started with my real estate career uh, in 2000. I, I'll give you a little bit more background. I was the, um, I was the youngest um, sales manager in Jordan Marsh's history. And from there, I opened a baker. I got into cooking. And then if, I figured that I always wanted to open like this little boutique bakery. And unfortunately, it never happened. I ended up doing a wholesale bakery. And <laughs> I sold that in 05. And uh, in 2000, I got my real estate license and I became active. And I became one of the top REMAX agents in town.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So, have uh, tell tell our audience where they can find you online and on Twitter. We're going to take a really short break. Okay,
4: sure. Uh, online, you can find us at uh, www.jav4d2. Uh, That's a J A V V four, the number four D two and then on Twitter, I think it's Hav for D two, at Hav uh, at for D two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very very. You know, keep it simple, man. That's trying good to, marketing. Yeah. Alrighty, we're going to take a very short break, and we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. welcome back this is the only in miami show and i'm your host grant stern you can find me on twitter at grant stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co and we're back with javier gonzalez he is a Commission candidate for District 2 in the city of Miami. Voting is this November 3rd. There's early voting that just started. I encourage everybody who's listening out there, mark it on your calendar. Make sure you early vote. Get out there on November 3rd if you can. This is a very important election. And if you don't vote, your voice won't be heard. And we'll wind up right back where we are. If you don't like the terrible traffic, the overdevelopment, and the problems we're facing in Miami's District 2, then you are going to miss your only chance if you don't vote this November 3rd. So, Javier, thank you so much for joining us. You're in the studio. Thanks, Grant. So I'm going to hit you with a question that I asked Ken. Sure. And I'm also going to turn the phone lines open after that. Okay. The question I asked was, um, is it fair for you to say that you would stand up to the current mayor and not be as Teresa Sarnoff I'm sorry. As Javier Ortiz, the Miami right. FOP union president, called other candidates sock puppets, Right. and he said that that is why he endorsed Teresa Sarnoff, because she wouldn't be a sock puppet.
4: To to Mayor Regalado. To
0: Mayor Regalado. Is this a problem that we legitimately face in the city of Miami today?
4: I think. Well, first of all, you have you have a mayor that really doesn't have it doesn't have veto power. So I I think that you can stand up to uh to, to the mayor. Like anybody could stand up yeah, to the absolutely. mayor. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think you have to I think the biggest thing okay. we see is how politics are, are played from the get go. So what happens is if you have a commission candidate, and I've always said this, you know, that my My run is four years. I'm not in this for a political gain. I'm here to really give back to my community. And you say to yourself, you know what, you're there. If somebody says something that you don't believe in, you don't have to play the political game. There is no end game. There's no long-term game. So I don't have to kiss anybody's ass. I can basically do what I feel is right for my constituents, for my residents, and say, hey, listen, this I see wrong, and at least be vocal about it. You know, we kind of didn't talk about it, but one of the things that we – you know, going back to what we want to accomplish as, uh, as a commissioner is that you want that open, transparent communication that people don't feel intimidated coming in front of the dais and saying, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, tell this commissioner. You want to make sure that you as a commissioner know that you work for your community. And these are the folks that put you in, in, in in your, in your position. And really you need to give back and just let them, you know, be themselves be able to talk to you in their terms, in their language, and then be able to work with them to, you know, to make stuff happen. But you can't make that. Well, how are we
0: not getting that today out of the current occupant of the seat?
4: Yeah, I don't think we have, we have, when I knock on doors, there's so much disenfranchised. They don't feel that they can come before. And you can't a lot of times explain yourself in two minutes. You know, you and I have been in front of the, you know, podium several times or many times and you can say okay I can get my point across in 2 minutes. But a lot of these folks they can't. And they don't feel comfortable coming in front and speaking uh, to a commissioner because sure. they don't feel they feel intimidated. They don't feel that they're part of the uh, you know of the of the of that dais.
0: Sure. I mean 2 minutes is a very mm-hmm. very short speech. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in radio. Yeah. I sit around and talk with a clock in front of me.
4: Yeah.
0: So, if you want me to do 2 minutes, you just you just you know point, yeah, yeah. that's all we do in yeah, the radio yeah. business, just yeah. hey, go, two minutes, yeah. okay, yeah. um but but I mean, beyond that, I mean, there seems to be a city policy of we'll do whatever we want, sue us later,
4: yeah, yeah. how do
0: we change that at city hall
4: i th- I think you have to think th- things through and and I've been in some of those meetings where you 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 hear them say stuff, and you say, and whoa whoa whoa, whoa, this is not going to end well. You're not thinking through a process. You're trying to get something rammed down somebody's throat, or trying to get something done on the quick. And it is true. It's I'd rather you know uh, beg for forgiveness and ask for permission, and that's the mentality that we ha- that w- that we deal with. Uh, but I well, think- I mean, accepting for the beg part or the <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, there's no begging.
0: <laughs> I mean, let's face it, man. They're like, hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I dropped this, uh, <laughs> this yep. knife here. Don't step on it too hard. Uh, Oh, well, I'm actually not sorry.
4: (laughs) I I, I, I agree. I think we, we need, we just need to think more through. And I think what happens with some of our current commissioners is that they're a little bit out of touch with the rest of the community. And again, I think... Oh, really? You yeah. don't say. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> we talk about, you know, we okay, going back to the voting. If you only have, you know, 2,800 people that voted last time in favor of your commissioner, your current commissioner, that means 2,800 voices in a, a district that has 44,000 voters. You know, currently it has 47,000 voters. Right. Now, the depressing part, Grant, is that, you know, we've been out at early voting for the last three days. On Saturday in City Hall, we had 75 people come out. This Sunday we had 75 people come out, and today we only had about 60.
0: Well, I mean, if you read the Miami Herald, you wouldn't know that there's even an yeah, election absolutely. going on.
4: Tell me about it. We had a little article, and it was gone within two hours. Yep.
0: I mean, you know, it's just that's a mm. that's a problem that we have as a city. There's yeah. really a news vacuum here. It's one yeah. of the reasons why we've done 100 of these episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Because somebody listening to this program will know what's going to happen yeah. before it happens not yeah. just after it happens yeah. Yeah. but i think that's a lost art form in the news these days telling people what will be decided right
4: and it ends up and it ends up coming up and coming up relevant like one day before it's gonna you know it's gonna be voted on I and mean, that's oh the yeah most tomorrow at part. nine in the morning exactly. at the city commission yeah. absolutely uh, yeah. you know there's gonna be something happening yeah. we're and we're gonna build high rise
0: you're gonna get two <laughs> minutes to talk after about the high rise they're <laughs> right. building yeah. You know, and And, anything you possibly can say will be great for when you sue the city. Uh, That's that really encouraged me to go out there and get involved. Yeah, it is.
4: (laughs) It is. It is. the it is the hardest point for the general public to be to be informed and to be aware. I also think the websites are horrific. Well, I mean, do you
0: think that speaks to a lack of adequate representation In the entire city, like there should be more commissioners perhaps or a different structure for the city?
4: You know, there there was talk about that, about bringing in a commissioner and kind of separating uh, the Upper East Side and kind of, you know, making it, adding a sixth commissioner maybe even a seventh commissioner. I think. Well, I don't
0: understand why one commissioner has 80 percent of the waterfront. They used to have 100. Yeah.
4: Yeah. you know. Oh, the uh, sea level we will all they, have it.
0: Yeah, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, soon enough. But but that's an important yeah. question. Uh, how do you as the city of Miami District 2 commissioner deal with climate change because we're right there at ground zero. Do you know we, what, we what have, lever of yeah, government to pull there?
4: Yeah, what we do. What uh, I was the only. I was the only candidate that went to the Miami Dade Compact, and uh, there's a there's an environmental compact that includes uh, West Palm Beach, um, Miami Dade County, Monroe, and Broward, and they've been working on solutions to see how we can you know work with all uh, of the uh, of the um, counties to try to put something together. And then the city of Miami has a sustainable depart, uh, department, and it's really not that it's underfunded, but it's not promoted it's not worked I think that's something that uh, if I am the commissioner it's something that we're really really going to push so that we do start to set some guidelines and I mentioned this at, at, a, at a forum District two's commissioner is again the most powerful commission because you control you know 80% of the assets. I think as we speak our tone our voice how we are representative of our community I think the rest of the commissioners go the same route. And I think if we become more compassionate, if we become more, um, I don't know, friendly, if we become more accessible, then the rest of the commissioners feel that way. And then even the mayor may say to himself, okay, this is working for somebody. And I think that's important. I think we set the tone. I mean, D2 is is a tone setter. So
0: in the last nine years, Mm -hmm. the traffic problems (laughs) in D2 have escalated. Mm -hmm. The number of metered parking spaces Mm -hmm. has risen. The cost of living has risen. Mm Um, You know, all these things that affect quality of life yeah. have occurred. There's major gi- ginormous developments yeah. that have destroyed the quality of life in Brickle. Yeah. Um, there's one coming into the Park West area, yeah. theoretically speaking. Um, so how can the next commissioner impact the city of Miami's transit situation and make a difference in the quality of life of residents? Yeah.
4: Transit, transit, it, it, and we get this question all the time, and, and I always say the same thing: I'm going to promise flying cars because anybody else that's promising any solutions is almost impossible to to do. But oh well,
0: clearly you were yeah. reading my Facebook page <laughs> earlier today, where I left a comment on a friend's. Uh, you know, he 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 wrote a status. Yeah. Can't believe that I've been in thir- uh, thirty minutes in Doral yeah. traffic and gotten ten blocks. Yeah. yeah, and I told him that the city of Doral planned for hover cars yeah. Yeah. because they saw Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah.
4: Back to the Future, a couple of days ago, remember it was <laughs> yeah. on on twenty first. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, we're back there now. Exactly. So,
0: now that the hover car didn't work out, what's Plan B?
4: Yeah, I think I think we have to look at all options. And again, we we look at it and say we it's a it's a count, it's county does transportation, but the city of Miami can add, can it can augment that transportation. What the city of Miami shouldn't do is actually take over a lot of the transportation um, options that are out there. So obviously, we have the trolleys. We can promote Uber and you know Lyft and ride sharings, AbCab, cab, all of those type things. Um, I think one of the I think we're heading in the right direction. There's a lot of plans out there, not only through county, state, and the federals, but I think we just need to have all options on the table and be able to work with whatever creative ideas out there. I mean, the underline is a brilliant plan it puts people you know on on bikes in a in a covered situation. Right. So that's
0: that's a county plan yeah. that puts a linear park yeah, absolutely. that stretches all the way down US 1 mm-hmm. alongside the bike path yeah. Yeah. that many people are unaware of that that's all county land.
4: Yep, yeah. county county land county land the city's put in a million bucks, uh, you know, we would continue to support it, but then it also ties into the Ludlum Trail which goes, you know, north and south. So it's it, it's connectivity that's coming to the city, so I think that's, that's a, a good key word. word right there. Connectivity, yeah. 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 The last mile, we have to focus on the last mile. How can we get people from heavy rail into their jobs and make it where they don't get rained on, where they don't sweat to death? Where how can we make that effective so that people use public transportation? We also have to make public transportation man less, you know, like. You look at these things, and it's like you're either DUI because it says 1 800 pain. It says depressed on the back of the bus. It makes you feel miserable. <laughs> so you know, at least let's look at let's look at these let's look at these options and say, you know, how can we make this, you know, not cooler, but a little bit, you know, nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that raising the cool yeah. factor is an important part of it. How about improving the trolley? What could be done to improve the trolley, the Miami trolley? Uh,
4: the trolley, okay, so the trolley's already working on expansions. There's one coming into the Grove. I mean, I, I've heard other candidates say, you know, and I'm going to bring a, a trolley into the Grove. Listen, the trolley in the Grove was worked in 2009, and actually it got deferred because it, we have a, what they call the uh, circulator, the 249 circulator for Miami-Dade County. So there is a trolley already in place, but once you have federal yeah, but money.
0: You have a circulator that takes 20 minutes to get from the heart absolutely. of the Grove. Yeah to any yeah. you know it's like okay it's not circulating yeah.
4: and it's you know what it's a number one circulator in miami-dade county is it <laughs> yeah it's one of the top riderships so i think we, we bring in a trolley and we've you know i've talked with uh the commissioner's aide to you know work on a on a route remember we if you use federal money you're going to have to make you know you got title eight issues so you got to make sure that you're covering everything uh, right but i think um the plans are there to do it and i think we'll probably see it within the next couple of years yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's already what, uh, it's already there.
0: What about bringing the trolley to other areas of the city?
4: Well, I think we can we can only from a District Two standpoint. Here's where it gets a little tricky. Remember uh, that we're dealing with D three, D four, D five. Everybody wants a little piece of the action, so it's kind of tough.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's an odd situation. Yeah. We have five mini mayors. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Javi, tell our audience one more time where they can find you online and on Twitter and reach out and talk with you because you do. You know, you, you do lift up a phone. Yeah, People absolutely. A- abs-
4: absolutely you. Absolutely. Uh, you can always reach me at uh, www.hav4d2.com. Uh, Listen, I'll give you my number over the, over the line, 305-582-5085. Again, that's 305-582-5085. And as opposed to some of the other candidates out there, um, one in particular, uh, when you call me, it doesn't go to voicemail. I'll pick it up.
0: All righty. Well, Javier, I really appreciate you coming out. And I definitely encourage everybody in the audience yeah. who's listening, get out there and vote. There's there and early vote. voting right now. It's at City Hall. You can vote on November 3rd. It's the next Tuesday. Yep, next Tuesday. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. She's got it in for me. Oh, 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 oh.
2: She's got it in for me.